Hi, everyone, and welcome to our round 20 player recap. It is just hours after uh, an interesting performance at Marvel Stadium against St Kilda. Saturday night at the docks, uh, St Kilda taking the chocolates, 10, 15, 75, 9, 9 to 63. Most supporters seem to have walked out of the ground and, and away from the game pretty positive given the way we fought hard and actually felt like at one point there in the last quarter we might be able to snatch a win. Uh, but that's potentially overshadowed a bit by by what happened, particularly in the first half, in what was a horrible game of footy. Joining me tonight to go through all of the players, it's just a duo tonight, myself and the wonderful Brad Klebanski. Brad, good evening. Thanks for jumping on the player review pod. Uh, how are you feeling after that performance? Uh, great to be here. Uh, mixed feelings. Horrendous, probably, what you'd say, three quarters or so, and the last quarter, fantastic. I think we can take goals to five in the second half, but that last quarter was wonderful. So I think we should probably focus on the positives. The ratings are going to be an interesting one because a lot of players' numbers look okay on paper, but I think... It was to do with how they performed in the last one and a half quarters more than the first, you know, two and a half quarters of that game. Yeah, so we've got a responsibility to rate them based on the whole game, I guess. So the stats will tell an interesting story. But I think, you know, once we get to our space later in the week and and the review article uh, that, that will follow the podcast, there's clearly a lot of positivity to come out of it. It won't be long before we leapfrog St Kilda. They were well and truly awful. And our kids can play, which was a great sign. So... Let's kick off proceedings with number one, Harry Morrison. Uh, his figures on paper seemed, seemed to be a lot better than the influence he had on the game proper. Uh, but reading through Harry's lines, he had 24 touches, eight marks, 558 metres gained, which was the most of any player that we had. Uh, he spent... Most of the game on the ground, seven intercepts, uh, four score involvements and six inside 50s. So he worked quite a bit up and down the ground. Brad, what did you make of Harry's game? I thought it was a strong game, a solid performance. Harry's been pretty consistent. He's probably been one of our most consistent players of the season. So as you said, he had 24 touches, a lot of metres gained. I thought it was a solid game. I don't think it was one of his better games, but he was still in our probably our top half a dozen players on the day. Uh, so, yeah, I'd give him uh, probably a, a six and a half out of ten. Yeah, I think that's fair. He also went at 80% disposal efficiency, which given you know some of our kicking in the first half um, is a high number. Moving on to number two, Mitch Lewis. Uh, clearly not the game he had in mind and um, potentially had Josh Morris not got injured, we might not have seen him stick out the game because he, he clearly carried an injury from early on in the game. He finished with one scoring shot, which was that behind from the snap out of the ruck. Um, he had three disposals, one mark, 
I don't think we need to go into too much detail in terms of no. the sheet. Uh, what the, do you think, Brad? Yeah, the less said about Mitch, unfortunately, uh, the better. His last three weeks have just been a disaster, to simply put it. Obviously, he's copped a knee knock, knee injury. I'd be surprised if we he won't play next week because we play the Suns in Tassie. And I'd be surprised if they risked him for the rest of the year. If it's if it's you know more on the serious side, um, I don't think we'll see him again. He's had a fantastic season, but unfortunately, in his last three weeks, he's kicked one goal and he kicked five in the first half against the Crows, and then had one kick in the second half. So he's kicked one goal in his last fourteen uh, quarters. Unfortunately, Mitch and. As we've seen, he needs a second key forward. So Cozzy's not that guy. I know Cozzy's still young, but Cozzy is not that guy. We need a good second key forward to play next to Mitch uh, for the future. So, yeah, unfortunately uh, for Mitch, I know he got hurt. He only played the one quarter, but that one quarter, you'd only give him probably a one and a half. Yeah, I think that's fair. He's clearly faded as the season's gone on, but similarly to everything we've been talking about over the last few months, uh, everyone and everything that happens this year will be judged on the entire year's body of work. Uh, And even if he doesn't do much, as you said, he's diced up for the rest of the season. Uh, His season will be judged as an almighty success. and, And from a development point of view, he's heading in the right direction. Number three, the Brownlow among Brownlow medalist among the bunch, Tommy Mitchell. Titch finished the game with 31 touches. He had nine marks, only one sixty-five meters gained. 21 of those 31 touches were handballs. So that probably explains that. Six score involvements. Uh, he went at 80% disposal efficiency. Uh, Brad, thoughts on Titch? I'll probably cop flack from those who are tuning in. I thought that was a poor 31 uh, disposal game. Zero influence on uh, the game. He got a lot of cheapies and his disposal inside 50. I know you said, what did he go at? Uh, 80%. uh, His kicking inside 50 was the exact reason why a lot of our supporters unfortunately won him uh, traded. His kicking inside 50 was terrible. Uh, I know he worked hard because he obviously took nine uh, marks, but I thought it was a poor 31 uh, possession game. I'd give him a f- I'd probably give him a five and a half out of 10. That might be harsh, but I think to have 31 touches and only gain, how much was it? 150 metres? Yeah. He's 165. Don't know what uh, you think, but I thought that he had a, I thought that was a poor 31 uh, possession game. Yeah, I'm probably not as critical on him. I think his first half, his first quarter especially, was horrible. There are a couple of um, just get it on the boot, snap inside 50, straight to opposition players. So totally agree with that. Um, You're never going to have the metres gained if he's doing what he normally does in terms of being on the bottom of a pack and getting the handball out to release others. And I think he got better as the game went on and, and was pretty important over the, you know, the second half and steadying the ship. And as I do, I mean, I tend to look at his game compared to the other senior players in the team and, and then how that fares. And so, you know, if we're looking at Gunston and Bruce and we're looking at Jager and I don't necessarily think that 31's as, as bad as, as you 
have made out, but that's what opinions are for. And it'll be interesting to hear what, what all of our listeners think once they, uh, once they listen to this pod, moving on to number six, James Sicily. It was a quite a night for Sis, but he actually spent significant amount of times after the first quarter, one-on-one with Max King. Uh, Sis finished with 16 touches, six marks, 350 metres gained. He spent the whole game on the grounds, nine intercepts, and he his disposal, he went at 87.5%. Now, between him and Blake Hardwick, we saw a couple more tops as well, so potentially part of the game plan. Brad, how did you see the game down back? I uh, thought it was a serviceable game. I don't think it was one of his better games of the year. As you said, he was quiet. He only had 16 touches, which is probably the lowest he's felt all season, uh, I reckon. Um, one-on-one, he was pretty good. Defensively, he was pretty good, but he was just quiet. I just, you know, he couldn't get into the game. He only took, yeah, six marks. I think his average for the year is about eight, eight and a half to nine marks a game. Uh, yeah, it was an average game. I probably, I think it was a bit above average. I'd probably give him a six out of 10. Yeah, interestingly, I'm pretty sure, I checked his stats at quarter time. I don't have the quarter by quarter breakdown, but I'm I'm pretty sure he had about eight, eight, uh, eight touches and three marks in the first quarter when he was, you know, blank was on Max King and he was literally playing as that spare. But for some reason, you know, that got tweaked and, you know, King, if he kicked straight, could have ended up kicking. Yeah, could have kicked six. six. Yeah, could have kicked yeah. five or six. So, and he was playing one-on-one from on Sears. So it was a bit of a bit of a strange one for Sears. And he, he had those couple of moments of getting pretty aggro as well, a few little jumper punches and, and the like. So, yeah, we expect uh, that from Sears though. Yeah, you do. But so it's interesting in the leadership, uh, from a leadership point of view, what people think of that. I know a lot of people don't like it, especially when you then, uh, we then talk about the next player, Ben McAvoy, who um, who you'd have to say overall got, got fairly well towed up by Rowan Marshall, who I think should be playing ruck every game. He's one of the best rucks in the comp, uh, pure rucks. But having said that, McAvoy's last quarter was absolutely immense to the point where on our chat, Brad, uh, I even raised the question that not only could he potentially be going on again, um, his last sort of four weeks has, have shown he, he could potentially be captain again next year because that was a solid showing in the last quarter. He finished the game with 14 touches, um, four marks, he had 26 hit outs um, and five tackles. So he was he was big in the clinches. Um, just looking seven contested possessions. Um, he had uh, just having a look here, 22 pressure acts, which put him in sort of the top four players in terms of pressure acts, and and 13 of them were in the defensive half as well, which 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 put him in the top two from a Hawks point of view. Uh, what what are your thoughts, Brad? As you said, the last quarter was unbelievable. Actually saved him because the first three quarters were as 
he got absolutely towed up by uh, Marshall. If you look at uh, Marshall's stats for the game, they were as good a stats as you'll ever see from a ruckman. I think he had 30 possessions, 35 hitouts, nine marks, seven tackles, was his dominant display. And as we said on Thursday night, uh, I've got no understanding as to why Max Lynch wasn't picked. McAvoy, as you said, he tries hard. He's very serviceable. But we saw the reason why he needs another ruckman in the side. Cozzy was not the answer. And Cozzy was poor in the VFL as well. So I'm not sure why he got picked. Max Lynch has been playing well in the VFL the last few weeks. The VFL had a bye this week. So, you know, I'd be surprised if Lynch comes in even next week when we head down to Gold Coast. Uh, as you said, his leadership, uh, McAvoy, is really strong. He showed that in the last quarter. And I definitely think he should go again next year. I don't know where that leaves uh, Ruck set up because it should be Reeves and uh, Lynch. But I think his leadership, as you said, on the ground, big boy, is worth a few goals every week and he's important for the team, especially being such a young side. So, yeah, really good last quarter. He really tried to lift uh, the team. He's probably our best player in the last quarter. Um, but unfortunately, the first three quarters, he was quite poor. But I'd give him probably a six and a half out of ten and I think the last quarter he gets a five. Yeah. Well, uh... I mean, you're our chairman of selectors, Brad. It is just so puzzling. We have seen, even when Big Boy hasn't been around, that all of our rucks function better with two recognised ruckmen. Full stop. Yeah, well, we're, when, yeah, we're four and zero with uh, two ruckmen in the side. This it is just, that it. It beggars belief that we didn't have a second ruckman there, but yeah. already fought hard. By the way, he also had 10 spoils he, he had the most spoils of any hawk for the day as well so you know his defensive efforts i thought were, were huge moving on to cj now looking at his numbers i think there's got to be some context around them he had 14 disposals he had five marks four tackles 231 meters gains uh, he used the ball really well. He went at 86% disposal efficiency. He missed that, that shot, that set shot, which was unfortunate. But what's important, I think, to note is that he shadowed Brad Hill most of the day. And for CJ to break even with Brad Hill, who only had 15 touches, and you yourself, Brad, said, you know, we're a real show to put Finn McGuinness onto Brad Hill, such as his impact usually against us. Uh, it's probably not the worst day at the office for CJ. Oh, he was fantastic. I thought not only did he break even, I thought he beat a Hill. Hill had no influence on uh, the game. Uh, as you said, CJ's disposal was uh, better and it was a good coaching uh, move, uh, you know, for Sam. He's teaching CJ to be a bit more uh, defensive. We know he's, an, you know, He's an offensive type of uh, player, but he would have learned a lot uh, today. And he went toe-to-toe with Ed Hill, who's probably one of, if not the fittest players in the AFL. So overall, I thought CJ sacrificed his usual game and I thought he was fantastic. You know, I would, I'd probably give him a seven and a half out of 10. Uh, his stats weren't huge, but I thought he had a really, really good game. And it's a good one going forward uh, to know that CJ can also play as a defensive player, not only as a, a offensive player. Yeah, for sure. It, it really was 
exactly as you said, that the fact that he can add that defensive side of his game to his bow, it was a really good learning curve for him today. And I think he did a great job. Number 10, Jager O'Meara. And um, people generally know how I feel about him. And Brad, I, I was happy to get stuck in again today. Uh, he finished the day with 21 touches, four marks. He had four clearances, um, 315 metres gains, uh, six inside 50s and six score involvements, but he went at just over 70% disposal efficiency and had uh, four turnovers as well for the day. Brad, what what did you think about Jager's game? Uh, he was incredibly poor today. He's had a really good season. He's probably had his best season since coming to the club, but today he just couldn't get in the game. Didn't have any influence. Uh, was just, yeah, really, really poor. He had a really good game last week, kicking two goals against uh, North. But, um, yeah, for someone who's been really good uh, this season, I think he was looks uh, tired. Could be due for, I think he could be due for a rest uh, next week when we head down to Tassie. I know a few boys were sore and we copped a few injuries this week, which might save him. But, yeah, overall, I probably wouldn't even give – I'd say he'd be lucky to even get a pass. That might be harsh, but I'd probably give him a four and a half out of ten. The difficulty is, I mean, we've talked about the delivery inside forward 50 being an issue and, and our midfield, certainly in the first half, just really being dreadful. So do you play him as a midfielder to have that – big body in the midfield or do you put him up forward where the ball's not necessarily coming in that well anyway so he doesn't have the opportunity to have such a big impact yeah it's it's a really tough one because as we've heard this season what Sam's trying to do with him and uh, Tom Mitchell is phase them from our uh, you know phase them from uh, the midfield so he plays a bit in there and I think he's played that high half forward role really well uh, this season He's still been getting, you know, 20 to 23 touches a game, tackling hard. He's kicked goals in the second half of the season, which is pretty good. But, yeah, it's, it's it uh, really is a tough one because he's probably not going to be, you know, in our starting uh, midfield from uh, next season. But I still think there is a spot for him in the best 22. I think today, uh, it, as I said, he was just he, he just had a poor game. But he's had a really good season. As I said, I think it's been his best season since coming to the club. I think he's only had one top three finish in the best and fairest since coming to us. So, um, yeah, just a poor game. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where he plays next season. Indeed. Now, again, it's always interesting that number 10 is followed by number 11 because then – I feel like there's the expectation of what we should get out of Jager and that expectation is actually a reality in Connor Nash. Nash, he had 21 touches, um, just the one mark, but some, I feel like his first half of footy was pretty incredible and he was one of our only guys that had a good first half of footy. He finished the game going at... 90 and a half percent disposal efficiency for those 21 touches. So that is, uh, that's a very, very big number. And I mean, there was that one 
I think I'm going to say it was the Dylan Moore that he hit him up on the lead uh, running running to 45-50 and it was just an incredible 40-odd metre kick. Um, he seemed to enjoy some of the grunt work at the stoppages. How did you see Connor's day? I thought he had a solid day. He was hard at it. I was surprised when looking at the stats, he only had two uh, tackles. I thought he laid a few more than that. Um, but in the middle, he was pretty good. Uh, as you said, his disposal was pretty good as well. He's improved uh, out of sight uh, this year. Uh, I think he's as similar to Jake. I think this has been his best season. Obviously, Sam's been a big fan of his. Uh, would have coached him quite a bit at Box Hill Hawks. Um, he provides a different, uh, you know, uh, role in the midfield. You know, he's tall, he's hard, he's got pace. Um He's actually become an important uh, player for us because, yeah, it, as I said, he's the different type of uh, midfielder. Still doesn't get enough of it. Like, you know, he's probably only averaging less than 20 touches a game. Yeah. But I think he would have gained a lot of confidence playing every week this uh, season. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably give him a six and a half out of 10. Yeah, I think that's fair as well. Um, now, one of the big positives I think a lot of fans had walking out of Marvel today would be the second half performance of number 12, Will Day. He ended the game with 19 touches, three marks, uh, just the one tackle, but 463 metres gained. He did take some of the kick-ins, but that was pretty significant in terms of the transition out of the back line. Nine intercepts. So that was a that was a team high for the day. Nine intercepts. He went at seventy four percent disposal efficiency. Uh, yeah, I, for me it was a good positive step in the right direction. The second half. How did you see Will's game? Yeah, absolutely. It was really really good in the second half. But that's how we need him to play all the time. I mentioned in the spaces on Thursday night. Uh, he's game against North was poor. Uh, I know he kicked two goals, I think, against the Eagles in the first quarter. Then he only had four touches for the rest of the game. Uh, he missed the Crows game. Uh, was I think got suspended for a week. Um, disappointing season for Will, as we've spoken about quite a few times. We really thought he was going to take the next step, similar to our Denver. Uh, you know, those were the two players that we really thought were going to have really big years. Um, but if he can, Will can play like he did in the second half for the last three games of the year and head into preseason with a bit of confidence, hopefully 2023 is the year where Will can really show what he can become. His role is interesting at the moment. I know he's probably better as a defender at the moment, but he needs a big preseason. He's still too light to play as a midfielder. I think he could probably play a bit on the wing because his skills are really good. But at the moment now that, you know, that halfback role probably suits him uh, best. So, yeah, great second half. was quite first half. I'd give him probably a 6 out of 10. Yeah, I think that role that he played today also actually is part of the reason we were able to, uh, to push Jack Scrimshaw into the forward line because Day sort of had that role covered where he was happy to go up and intercept and um, and actually challenge in the marking contest as well as then be able to distribute it. So uh, good second half. Hopefully he can back that up next week. Speaking of second halves, number 13 is Dylan Moore. 
No idea why, but he spent the first half back in that high half forward role. And I think he only had about seven seven touches or so to half time. But he finished the game. He played the second half in the middle and he was certainly part of the revolution in the last quarter at drifting forward as well. 21 touches, eight marks. He had 329 metres gained. He kicked, kicked one goal, one. Um, let's just flick over here. He actually had five frees against, so yeah, more than he'd had for the whole season. I think he had four four frees against for the season before today. So he, more than he had the whole year in the one game. So it yeah. was an interesting one. I thought, yeah, he was, yeah, he, he was, he was good. He had eight score involvements as well. Um, and. When it's seventy one and a half percent, clearly it was a tale of two halves for Dylan Moore. Yeah, absolutely. Second half was much much better. He laid seven tackles, which was good. Kicked a goal, had um at eight marks. He works really hard, so you know he runs up and down all game. Only had the twenty one touches, but as you said, you know played mainly high half forward for the first half, and we know how poor our first half was. You know we kicked one goal five, so uh, I thought he had a okay game not as good as he's been the previous three weeks but i'd definitely give him uh just above a pass i reckon i'd probably give him um five and a half closer to six yeah uh, i think that's fair because he probably wouldn't have passed in the first half but he did uh he, he did really well in the second he also had 31 pressure acts which actually um put him second on our list for pressure acts so you know, that even shows, I guess, that without the ball, he still works bloody hard to, to do what he can from a, from a team point of view. Uh, on to number 14 from one Hawks supporter to another, Jack Scrimshaw, one of our, you know, the, the great forwards of, of our time. Uh, 15 touches. Uh, he kicked the two goals, uh, five marks. Um he actually looked really lively up forward, Brad. Excellent. Really good coaching move. Was obviously quiet in the first half, but presented well. Took a couple of really good marks. You know, obviously kicked a couple of goals. I think he's had a really strong season. I reckon he's a smoky to finish top five in our best and fairest. I think he's been really consistent uh, this season and was an absolute steal. I know he was a high draft pick, um, but we got him, you know, when we lost Ryan Burden and traded the first draft pick for Chad and we brought Scrimshaw in. But um, I think he's had a really good season. He's been really good down back. Defensively, he's still got a bit to work on in his game. But we saw today he can become a swingman for us. And those type of players are crucial. When you're struggling or quiet, in a, you know, quiet, to be able to move forward and to go forward and to kick a couple of goals, um, I thought he had a really, really good second half. And... You know, I'd probably give him a six and a half. Obviously, he was quiet in the first half, but, you know, I reckon he had a really good game. Speaking of uh, somewhere up around the top end of the best and fairest leaderboard, number 15, Blake Hardwick. Another good game for Dima. He had 19 touches, six marks, 437 metres gain. So, again, in the top group of players for... The distance he was able to get from a penetration point of view with his disposals, 
five intercepts and he's gone at 94.7% disposal efficiency. Again, uh, highlighting that you know that he's going to use it and use it well. Just another typical Blake Hardwick kind of game. Absolutely. He deserves to have a spot in the All-Australian 40. I don't think he'll make the 22, but I think it's just taken too long for everyone to actually realise how good he's been uh, this season. He's a real chance to actually win our best and fairest this year. Jai obviously was amazing, you know, the first half of the year. He's been pretty good since, but he's had some quiet games. Dim is just unbelievable every game. He's, as you said, his, his disposal of efficiency has been unbelievable, but he's been finding it. You know, the last month or so, he's probably averaged over 20 touches a game whilst also being so strong defensively. And today he was really good again. Uh, I think he spent quite a bit of time on Jack Higgins, um, a few of their other smaller forwards. Um, yeah, was really good again. I'd probably give him a 7 out of 10. Yeah, and clearly, you know, whilst myself included, he's been raised every now and then as potential captaincy material. He's clearly going to form a key part of our leadership group, you know, to, to potentially be part of our next premiership winning leadership group. Oh, absolutely. He probably could be the next captain if they don't give it to Sicily. So it's going to be interesting to see which way they go. I just think because he plays that the position uh, that he does, is it the type of position you have as a captain, similar to uh, Ben Stratton for those two years? But he could easily be our next star captain. I wouldn't be surprised if he got it. Uh, McAvoy will probably lose it next year. It's just who they give it to. You know, is it, It's probably between Sicily and uh, Hardwick. Yep, good good problems to have, I guess, when you're talking about uh, such quality youngsters and leadership. Now, Jack Gunston, uh, number 19, is next on the list. And I think it's, there's a little bit of from the highs of... Oh, I was going to say, a week is a long time in football. I don't think we need to touch on this one for too long. Yeah, yeah, especially he's kicked one goal for the game, which was in the first quarter. And don't forget, we kicked one goal for the first half of footy. Um, and, and he kicked that in the first quarter. So outside of that early days when we were horrid, he's got eight possessions, three marks. Um, yeah, I don't need to go into the specifics no, of that. He got absolutely tailed up by a very good player. Callum uh, Wilkie played on him for the whole game and comprehensively beat him. I know he kicked, Jack had an amazing game uh, last week. Unfortunately, this week he was really poor. He definitely doesn't get a pass from me. Uh, I'd probably give him a three and a half out of 10 for today's game. Yeah, that's potentially being generous as well. Maybe there's some carryover. Um, carryover yeah, and he did kick a goal. Half. He kicked our only goal in the first half. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you know what? It might be one for the space, but um, my biggest issue, uh, concern with Jack is when he's good, he's very, very good. And when he's bad, he almost is taking up space. Yeah, absolutely. And that's been an issue for the whole season. Uh, His good games have been really good, but he's had a lot of really, really poor games, some really poor games. So he's still an important player because he provides a lot of uh, leadership. I still think, um, you know, we need him to be in our starting 22 come round one uh, next season. Um, But, yeah, he, yeah. 
you know, he's obviously come back from a serious back at injury. Um, but yeah, it's been an interesting season. It's been a, an inconsistent season from uh, Jack. Yeah, and his partner in crime had a very similar sort of game. Number 22, Luke Bruce. He um, probably should have kicked that goal right at the end, not that it mattered. We'd run out of time. but Yeah, he normally um, kicks those literally nine, 99 times out of 100. Yeah, and it was probably easier than the one that he did actually yeah. manage to, to thread through. Uh, but Brucey Punky finished the day with one goal, 10 touches, one mark. And I guess my question is, was was the three and a half you gave for Jack? So uh, I wasn't sure. Was that a combined score for him and Brucey? Yeah, probably. I was going to say uh, Bruce is the same. A three, um, a three out of ten. He was incredibly poor as well, and he's similar to Jack. He, he's had Bruce has actually, I think he's kicked thirty five goals this year, which is really, really good. But he's had a couple of games where he's kicked, I think, you know, three pluses. He obviously had the game where he kicked six against uh, the uh, West Coast Eagles a few weeks ago. Similar to Gunston, when you know they got their quiet games are really uh, quiet. But it, again, uh. Butler's coming through. Tyler Brockman, hopefully, by all uh, reports, is going to stay. Um, but the Bruce replacement is going to be a hard one uh, to find because he's been such a good player. He, he, like Gunston, he's, he's important. He needs to play. He'll be in our starting 22 come uh, next season. Um, but, you know, as we've seen this year, like similar to Gunston, as I said, his poor games are poor and, the end is probably coming for Bruce. I think he's probably still got two more years of solid footy. Like if he can kick 35 to 40 goals, he'll take that. Um, and he'd be a good uh, mentor for the younger players. But we need to hopefully see Tyler Brockman get in the side next season. And Brockman and Butler are hopefully going to be um, our next Poppy and uh, Bruce uh, combo. Yeah, I think as well, I think when you're moving Dylan Moore out of that forward line into the midfield, it actually does still give that place for the third small forward in our six forward setup, and 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 I think that potentially gives Bruce, at the very least, another full season if he's kicking another thirty to forty goals, as you said, potentially even longer. Um. The last of a trio of, uh, you know, of not so nice reviews I'm expecting before we go on a really good run of young kids. Number 23, Cozzy, uh, who was brought in potentially as that second ruckman and had a big job to do, especially when Mitch got injured early, uh, finished the game with four touches, one mark, one hit out, uh, potentially one vote. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the less said about Cozzy, the better. I said on Thursday night, he didn't deserve to get picked. He shouldn't have been picked. I know he copped a corky. Didn't make a difference, probably. He gets a one out of 10 for being out there. Um, probably best to move on to the next uh, player. Yeah, well, let's do that because we're ready to start filling the airways with some positivity. And our number one draft pick from last year, number 25, Josh Ward. He's putting a fantastic little patch of footy together, which is something to be very, very excited about. Finished the game with 26 touches, six marks, five tackles. He had three clearances, 446 metres gained, 
six inside 50s, six score involvements, five intercepts. He only went at 65% disposal efficiency, but oh, there are a couple of times in the first quarter, he was getting so much of it early. There are a couple of times he fumbled or dropped his pretty straightforward mark. And whilst they didn't really hurt us uh, at the time, there was a bit of disappointment watching it, but in the overall context of the fact that he's getting into positions, he's good with the ball, he's making great choices, that stuff becomes less relevant when you look at the overall tapestry of the work that he, he gave today. Oh, absolutely. He was brilliant. He's, as you said, his last month has been really, really strong. His first half was really good today when we were really poor. He was clearly our best player. Uh, was probably in the top three for the whole game. 25 plus touches, you know, for the second time, plus touches second time in the last three weeks. Laid five tackles. So he's, you know, he's laying tackles, even though he's still quite slight. He's got decent size, you know, but he's still got to put on a bit of weight uh, to match it with the better midfields in the league. But you can just see he's going to be a 250 plus game our player. He's all class. Uh, you know, he's a leader as well. I know we've spoken about Ed Hardwick potentially being our next captain, but Ward has captain written all at over him. I think he's um going to be a gun for us for a long period of time. And un- the unfortunate thing for Ward was, you know, he missed so much footy in the middle half of the year because of the concussion he copped in the VFL. Um, but yeah, he's going to be a serious player for us. Yeah, and I think it's... As well, you know, we're about to get on to Butler and and then Connor McDonald. And, you know, the positives out of these guys are that whilst we might be getting, you know, smashed in the midfield, when you've got Ward and McDonald playing in there and Newcomb, all of this experience that they're getting is incredible. But you can just see how good they're going to be as a unit. So if we're getting done in the middle, but they're getting minutes, that's all part of it. He's a ripper. So for me is Sam Butler. Uh, I think we've got the better of the Butlers, uh, as Ash likes to point out. He kicked a goal, um, which was um, a great goal. He kicked from 50 and he had Dan uh, absolutely yelling at him, trying to put him off as he was running in right next to him, which was which was pretty good to see. It was pretty funny. Finished the game with nine touches, um, three marks. Um, probably not enough in terms of what you'd like to get out of him in a full game. But again, um, will clearly be better for the run, Brad. Yeah, absolutely. Uh Similar to Cozzy, he was poor in the VFL. So, you know, did he deserve a spot in the side coming in? Uh, probably not, but we know what he's going to become. I think he could become probably not a Connor Rosie type, but maybe similar to a Butters, um, a Zach Butters like he was when he first started his career at Port Adelaide. I think he's shown enough class to really be able to eventually push up uh, the ground. At the moment, he doesn't find enough of uh, the ball. As you said, only nine touches. The games he's played, he's probably really only averaged, you know, five or six touches. But you can see he's got class in there. And as I said, they're going to try to get as many games into him as possible because him and, as I said, Brockman, you need two quality small forwards at least in your forward line. And he's definitely got another class. So our draft from last year looks to be uh, the goods, Ward, McDonald and our Butler. So we nailed those three picks. 
Uh, Butler does have to play the last three games of the year, whether he's quiet or not next week. He just has to play. Um, but, yeah, he, he had a solid game. I'd probably give him um, a, a 6 out of 10. Yeah, well, the third of those draftees you just mentioned, Connor McDonald, not quite sure yet out of him and Josh Ward which one of them's Batman and which one of them's Robin, but he is a tasty, tasty prospect. 19 touches, seven marks. He had three tackles, 460 metres gained. He went at 84% disposal efficiency, which is very high. Uh, Six inside 50s, five score involvement. So he adds that that offensive part of his midfield game, which, you know, we we love to see in midfielders because we don't necessarily see that so obvious um, with the mids we've had through time, I guess. But... um, yeah, another fantastic performance from Connor. Oh, serious class. And as we've said all year, once he gets a few preseasons and into him and he can go into the midfield and play a full game in the midfield at the moment now, he's sort of playing half forward. He's pushing a little bit up the ground. Um, he doesn't have the tank to play the full game in the midfield, but you can just see he oozes class. He's a one-touch uh, player. Um, and... We were so lucky to get him. I know Carlton were desperate for him. We took him the pick before Carlton. So lucky we had that pick because you can see why a few clubs were interested in him. But him and Ward are definitely part of our future. Those two will be in the midfield for many years to come. So, yeah, he had a really good game. I'd give him an 8 out of 10. And like the other youngsters, he just has to play the last three games of the year and he's probably been our best first-year player this year. Continuing the good vibes, Finn McGuinness, and we we just talked about Ward and, and the tapestry he's put it together over the last few weeks. Finn McGuinness, again, today, interestingly played two different roles. He absolutely, absolutely took Jack Sinclair to the cleaners in the first half. Sinclair had six touches in the first quarter and three in the second quarter. And of those nine touches, four or five of them were kickings. Finn did the job. And actually, one of the reasons we didn't get into the game sooner is because Sinclair started taking the game apart early in the third quarter. He had five touches within the first five minutes of the third quarter, Sinclair, once once McGuinness had gone in as a pure mid, but he looked like he was going to do some damage of his own in the midfield. He finished with 22 touches, four marks, seven tackles. He had three clearances, 364 metres gained, six inside 50s, uh, and and that was certainly evident in (laughs) him being able to bring the ball out of the centre, particularly earlier in the third quarter. Only went at 63% disposal efficiency, so that was a little bit unfortunate. But again, another big green tick for Finn. Oh, absolutely. He was brilliant. One of his best games of the year, if not his best game of the year, because he played both of his roles. He played as the shutdown player, as you said, on Sinclair. But then he went into the middle 
got a few centre bounce uh, clearances. Uh, as you said, he only went at about spot sixty five percent. But as we know, his disposal is not the best part of his game. He had seven uh, tackles and had twenty two uh, touches. So he's finding uh, the ball. He's had twenty plus the last couple of uh, weeks. And the best thing for Finn at the moment is he's starting to believe he belongs at a senior level. Mitchell's obviously backed him in. He's giving him a few different uh, roles, very different uh, to Clarko. I don't think Clarko backed him. Um, Mitchell's giving him um, a chance. And he's getting better with every game he's playing. So I think he's been a huge positive in the back half of this season. And I reckon um, his game today, like I said, was probably his best of the year. So I'm going to give Finn a seven and a half out of 10. Yeah, a really, really solid game. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if he gets the job on Tuke Miller next week would be a really big test. Tuke, one of the best in the business. So that would be, and again, four or five weeks ago, could not have imagined saying this. Finn McGuinness on Tuke Miller would be a mouth-watering a mouth-watering matchup. Oh, absolutely. I th- it's a hard one because when he plays in the midfield, I don't. If he plays in the guts, I don't think he plays a hard uh, tag. It's if he plays, you know, as that half forward tag, he tags, you know, the opposition's best half back. That's when he plays that uh, lockdown role. But I think we'll see him play more as a midfielder, which is really good. So yeah, Noah Anderson, of course, is the other. Oh one. yeah, Noah Anderson's the other one as well. So. Um, Finn's got a really good tank as does Tuke Miller he's probably one of the fittest players in the league so yeah next week will be an interesting one the game's in Tassie it's a winnable game because Gold Coast season's done they don't play in Tasmania a lot and the cold weather it's going to be very cold down there so yeah we'll see how they go now probably the saddest story from the day number 35 Josh Morris being subbed out uh, for the second half Saw him coming off the ground. I'm not. I think it was his. Was it his wrist or? I think uh, it was an ace. Maybe his shoulder. Um, it looked right. quite serious, and he obviously got subbed out. So, you'd think, unfortunately, for Morris, who's actually played pretty well since coming into the side, uh, his season's probably over. So it's disappointing because he's playing for a spot on the list probably next year. I think he'll get another year, but. Um, when we've got our full side in, I don't think he's a best 22 play, but he's shown really good signs. He's shown he belongs. Um, it's hard to rate his game because he obviously got hurt. He only had the 10 touches, um, you know, so you'd probably have to give him a fail for finishing with only 10 touches, but he was injured. Uh, I think he's been a positive, um, you know, he's played a lot of VFL in the last couple of years, but he's definitely shown he belongs at senior level. So again, he's going to start next year in the reserves. Um, he's probably a depth player, but, you know, um, I think it's been a positive season for Josh Morris. Yeah, I know Prinzi's been a big fan of his for a long time and he's gone at 80% disposal efficiency again. That's certainly one thing to have noted over the last few weeks. He uses the ball really, really well. He's got pace. I agree with you. I think at the very least he's earned himself another year and agree as well. He'll start off in the reserves. That could be it for his season this year. Start off in the reserves next year. Hopefully get his spot back in, but a very good depth player. Speaking of very good players, forget depth, our number one fullback and fullback of the future, 36, James Blank. He finished the game 
uh, I think stats are probably uh, not fair when it when you're looking at someone like James Blank. Similarly to Kyle Hardigan previously, where he doesn't necessarily um, necessarily get the credit based on a stat sheet as opposed to positionally what he does um, and and how it assists the structure of the team. He finished the game with the seven touches and and the three marks, a number of occasions where he was clearly very, very happy to take the game on, which we love to see. He had five spoils, uh, three tackles, and again showed that going into 2023, Brad, uh, he's the player that's going to be in the centre of our first defensive line on the team sheet each week. Oh, absolutely. His first, how many games has he played now? Four have been unbelievable. Uh, I know Max Max King didn't kick well today, but you can just see with Blank, he makes the right uh, decision time and time again. Spoils at the right times, reads the play really well. He's just a solid player, and you just know he's going to be a really good fullback for a long time to come. So another super find by McKenzie and his team. Similar to Jai, you know, we get him in the uh, mid-season draft. He's just really uh, solid. Um, I'd probably give him a six and a half. I don't think it was his best game. Um, but, you know, what a find. You know, um, very happy to have him, and he's going to be a good fullback for us for a long period of time. Speaking of a find, and, and we talked the other night about uh, really potentially being a bit shocked and, and would have liked to have seen Emerson Jecker, especially with the Box Hill by getting a full game, but he ended up getting half a game uh, and is probably the positive out of the Josh Morris injury. He looked settled in the defensive line. He finished with eight touches three marks, including one absolutely towering grab over the pack, um, one tackle. Um, and I think Ash might have actually mentioned in our group at one point that it looks like we've now got our fullback and centre-half back. <laughs> uh, slots filled, which may have been a bit early, but, gee, he looked really good with the footy, didn't he? Oh, his skills are really, really good. And he's played the last few games in the VFL down back and done really, really well after being really quiet as a forward after. He was probably one of the top three forwards in the VFL last season. But they've switched him down back and he's got a good left foot. He's got good hands. Uh, I said in the, uh, the group and our Prinzi uh, wasn't uh, happy. I think at the moment, if you were picking Jekka or DGB to play back, I'd pick uh, Jekka. And I know Jekka's only played a half in the seniors, but he finds the footy. He's got a good hands and his skills are really, really good. I think he could become a really good player down back. And yeah, we saw he took that really strong mark. Um, I'm surprised he hasn't played more senior footy this year because I think he's got the potential to be a really good senior player. Played a few games last year. But um, he'll probably play next week because of our injuries. Uh, Morris will obviously go out. Um, so he'll probably come in. It'll be interesting to see if DGB gets in next week because the VFL have a bye this week. So um, You just you yeah. couldn't see after that second half. You couldn't see DGB coming in no, to Jekka. take that spot. Jekka, no. after the last few weeks, 
transforming his game to a defender at Box Hill into this game now, the combination suggests, if not for the rest of the season, at least next week, he, he should be given an opportunity. Absolutely, yeah. I reckon he'll probably play the last three three uh, games. I've got a feeling DGB is going to be forced to play uh, in the VFL to finish off uh, the season. So I reckon we'll see Jack in the last three weeks of the year playing seniors as that defender. Our last player, and, and this is a really interesting one because Jai Newcomb, for, for the first time that I can recall, St Kilda actually put a hard tart tag on him to start the game and he struggled early. He really struggled with that. It took a lot of time and effort to work into the game and and he did that quite well in the end. He finished the game with 21 touches, seven marks, which, which led to his two goals as well. He was strong taking a couple of contested marks up forward. He had three tackles and 350 metres gains seven score involvements uh, and five intercepts. His disposal efficiency was not great at 52%, but also he led the way for the team with 32 pressure acts. So what started off pretty slowly from a learning experience point of view actually turned into a decent enough game from, from Jai. Oh, absolutely. His first half was quite poor because he copped the tag from uh, Winhager, who helped Tim Kelly to only four disposals last week. But to come into the game, to finish with two goals for the second week in a row, his second half was huge, worked hard all game. Uh, I'd, I'm going to give him a seven just because uh, his first half was you know quite poor. But I think the biggest positive was the fact that he still worked his way into the game. A lot of players who cop tags, as we've seen in previous weeks with Finn on the, you know, on our players, drop uh, their shoulders. But Jai just fought hard all game, ran it out. You know, was still really, really strong. Uh, contributed really well, and has continued his great season. And finally, just to wrap it up, Brad, I'm going to get you to rate Sam Mitchell and the coaching performance. But before I do, I'm just going to give you a couple of uh, items that caught the eye from a coaching point of view to help maybe uh, shape that decision. We had um, Ben McAvoy in the game as the sole ruckman. We had CJ going with Brad Hill. We had Will Day going down back, which allowed Scrimshaw to be moved up forward. So that was a pretty significant move, putting Scrimmer up forward and a successful one. Uh, more quiet for the first half up forward before going into the guts where he dominated the last two weeks. Uh, and the decision to... Oh, I actually was going to ask you about the decision to shake the... Finn on on Sinclair tag and whether or not that was uh well we know he can do the job and we're getting absolutely smashed let's just let him have a run in the middle because we know that he can do that job next time seen enough uh obviously then as well having Jekka as the sub who came in to boost our defensive stocks overall your thoughts on the coaching performance and a rating for Sammy I thought the selection was incredibly poor. So pre-game, 
I would give it a fail. As I said, Cozzy shouldn't have played. Lynch should have played. Uh, but his in-game coaching flipped it around. So his in-game coaching was brilliant. I know Finn was taken off Sinclair, but Finn going into the middle really helped us in the second half with his clearance uh, work. Obviously, Day going back. Um, Dylan Moore, uh, you know, back into the midfield for the second half. Jacker is the sub who came on and, you know, did a really good job. Uh, I thought his game day coaching was really strong. I'll give him a 6 out of 10 just because I thought selection was incredibly poor. Uh, we saw what uh, Marshall did, especially in the first half. But to go into that game without two uh, uh, Ruckman was really, really poor and was probably in the end why we ended up losing the game. We only ended up losing the game by two two goals. And you think about that first half, uh, I think I messaged to the group the stats. We lost clearance 24 to 12 in the first half and we kicked one goal in the first half. So that was really, really yeah. hard to win games of footy with that as well as in the first half. Um, I don't know if deplorable is the right word. My, people might be able to tell that my voice is a bit croaky when the umpiring goes against us. I at the ground, let it be known. And yeah, that was not a great performance from the umpiring fraternity as well in the first half. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what do we, we, we hit one goal five in the first half. So, and the disposal as well, how many inside fifties did we have in the kicking into 50 was so poor. It was just, it was actually really hard out to watch. Like uh, Marvel Stadium against the poor St Kilda side. Uh, let's be honest. Like you know, they may play finals uh, this year, but I honestly believe in two years' time, maybe even uh, next year, we'll be on top of us uh, St Kilda. Like to kick one goal in a half is just is just uh, terrible. Not good enough. Hopefully. There'll be a fair bit for the coaching fraternity to go over with the players on Monday and can move on and look ahead to Gold Coast. Brad, we're down a few soldiers tonight. And despite the thoughts that maybe there'd be a fair bit of negativity coming into tonight, I think you've given the boys overall you a, a pretty positive spin on things. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Uh, no, looking forward to next week's game, another winnable game. You know, we head on down to Tassie to play Gold Coast. Unfortunately, I don't think Mitch Lewis is going to play. Uh, Morris will obviously go out. Uh, I think a couple of other guys copped some, you know, copped a few uh, knocks. So it's going to be interesting selection this week. There will probably be three or four changes. But as I said, Gold Coast don't play in Tassie often. It's going to be very cold down there for them. So it's going to be another winnable game. It's not going to be a pretty game. Tassie games are not often pretty, but, you know, we as I said, we finished the season with Gold Coast, Richmond and Bulldogs. Bulldogs season's just about shot as well. So, you know, three winnable games to end the season. Yeah, fingers crossed we don't go zero and four through them because I think after the last few weeks, fans have enjoyed the competitive nature of the last quarter today and getting wins Thanks again, Brad. To all of our listeners, thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. Please make sure you follow us to support everything that we're doing at Hawks Insiders on all socials via our Hawks Substack, which you can check out in all of our bios. 
looking forward to chatting with you again, Brad, and the rest of the crew on Thursday night on our Twitter space that will be released as a podcast. Keep an eye out on the great content coming up over the next few days. Thanks again, everyone. I hope you enjoy watching the final quarter on replay a few times. We'll catch up with you in the next few days.